One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. some of the forgotten and some unforgettable moments to have ever taken place in the ring. I'm Simon Maguire, and on this week's show, I'm delighted to be joined as ever by boxing writer, the Irish son, Kevin Byrne, and my former Ireland coach, Billy Walsh, and two members of the team from Beijing 2008, Kenneth Egan and John Joe Joyce. Welcome to the show, guys. How are we doing? How are we doing? Hi, lads. Uh, the hat-trick. Thanks for joining us tonight, lads. Much appreciated. So Beijing, does it, does it feel like uh, 12 years ago, I guess? Uh, how's, how's life treated you in the years since? Does it still feel like yesterday? Well, yeah, it's amazing. It's 12, is it 12 years? My God. Yeah, it uh, seems like a lifetime ago, but uh, it, was a hell of a lot of, it was a hell of a great time. It was a special, really a special time when you consider that Irish boxing was, you know, maybe down at an all-time low of, you know, 2000. 2004, we had one boxer at Libby Games, and to turn it all around and to, to win three medals in Beijing for the first time since 1992, and so it was it was phenomenal for all of us that were involved because the work that had gone into making and the sacrifices that had gone into it from the guys mm-hmm. the co- from the boxers' point of view, and you know this, the changes that had to go on to make that happen was. Uh, it was, fun. it was great to be part of it, to be honest, and uh, it was probably one of the greatest times of, of my, my uh, life and career. Yeah. And for the two boxers on the call here, Kenneth and John Joe, you're both now coaches yourselves uh, after hanging up the gloves. So uh, how are you finding the, tra- the transition from boxer to trainer? I'm, I'm enjoying it now, you know. It's a, it's a learning process for me as well, and it, it's hard, you know. It's hard being a coach. But I'm not working with a lot of fighters now. I'm just working with Eric at the moment, with Eric Donovan and... and like he's well skilled anyway, so he knows exactly what he's doing in the first place. But just small little things that we need to work on, especially in the pro game now, that standing on his feet, holding his ground, and working on a bit more power, you know. But even going back to what Billy was saying, like that era that we started in, and I was blessed to be part of the old system and the new system, and to see the change, not only in the fighters but in our structure and in our program. Uh, and the coaches that come in on board, like we all believed in this high performance, and we stuck with it w- when a lot of people didn't, and we got through it right to the end. And you know, the fruits of our labour was qualifying in Athens and getting myself and Johnny qualifying and Darren, the Lord rest them, 
but to get across the line and go to the Beijing with a good solid team of five boxers, you know, um, having done it the hard way, but we stuck together as a unit, uh, and and I didn't, that in itself I showed character in the team, you know, because there was a lot of people out there putting us down. But uh, coaching is it's a hard it's a hard slog, and I, I admire I admire Billy even more now, having to work with the amount of boxers that he had right through the years. Uh, before the high performance and after the high performance, it's 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 a tough number. And John Joe, uh, you're putting yourself in a position where maybe one day you might end up as Ireland head coach, uh, hopefully succeeding Billy Billy Walsh. I'm sure that's I'm sure that's the ultimate aim. But how's the coaching game been going for yourself so far? Yeah, I would agree with that. So, um, that is the ultimate dream, and uh, my dream is to go back to the Olympic Games. Please God, it please God, as a coach, and I'd love to do that in high performance for the Irish team, uh, if I can, if it if it is possible, maybe in twenty eight would be great because I'd have some of my own boxers hopefully there. And um, coaching wise, I agree with Kenny. It's tough. Um, you respect the likes of billions or or as coaches now because it is it's ups and downs dealing with parents and everything else can be hard especially with club being involved in a club young club and but I'm enjoying it it's been great I have so much buzz of it I'm mad I can't wait the August to come just so I can get back to the kids and learning them and we've been very very successful so but again we're learning every day and as a coach you never know everything even as a boxer you don't know everything and I'm enjoying it and hopefully the journey will continue yeah. Now, uh, Billy and Kenneth, I believe you obviously reached a pinnacle in getting to the Olympic final in Beijing in 2008, but you had a more difficult start as boxer and coach. Your first away trip together was to Poland. <laughs> Don't mention the war. <laughs> it was serious now, wasn't it? Can you tell us about it? Well, we can speak a bit about it, not going into too many details. But I was, yeah, go ahead, yeah, Billy. Go on. I'll tell my side. I give it from the coach's point of view. So I, I, I got for the first time uh, being selected to go as a coach with a, with a national team, having retired maybe ten years, whatever, and or a few years, and being a club coach. And then I was absolutely honoured. And at the same, at the time, I had three young kids. I was working for myself uh, as a milkman, uh, and took this. It was a ten-day journey, uh, training camp, and two two fights in, in between that. And so obviously then I had to go past somebody. I, was, I jumped at the opportunity. It was, all, it was what I always wanted to do. So I'm going out with this team. I had this great Kenny Egan and all these all these guys on the team. Alan Reynolds, you know. Uh, we had you know what's his name, Norman, you know, Greg Armand. We had some really good good guys on the team. And uh, I'm going out there thinking this is a great opportunity. And and I wasn't that much far away from him. As boxing terms, anyway, we go out. We have a, under, I think it was on a Wednesday night. We fought, we fought against them. We did training together with with the with the Polish team uh, in their camp. They were they were very good to us. We fought in a place called Osnovich and Sosnovich, two different places, right, at the very south of Poland. And we stayed in the in the, in the training camp in a place called Wisła, which is also the name of the river there. Anyway, um, I I was delighted with it. Right? So a couple of the boys then went out after maybe the Wednesday night. Uh, Kenny lost. Uh, went down after the Wednesday night and had a few had a few beers and uh, didn't turn up. The next day we were due to fight. Uh, we're we're in, I'm in the 
the change room because we weren't far from the venue and we were all walking there, going there, and then we're all saying to Kenny, right? And I knew that the guy that they had was was probably the local guy in the start of the show, and they had they had uh, big sponsors in the in the arena trying to obviously going to look after him, and there's no saying to Kenny. So I'm like 38 years of age, probably weighing around the same weight as Kenny was at that time. <laughs> I said, uh, actually, uh, the team manager, I said to him, look at. If you're still, I'll go in. Like, you know, I'll, I'll go in with him, I said, because like, this is the star of the show, right? I didn't want to let these guys down. They had looked after us so well and been really, really good to us. Anyway, so I talked out. I, had no, I, had no, I got some tape, wrapped my hands up. I got some cotton wool used as, used <laughs> as a pair of gum seals. I'm ready to go in. And the head coach, Ludwig from uh, Poland, comes in. He looks at me. I had the gear on. I got somebody's boots. I got a pair of nicks and a pair of shorts. And uh, I barely fit it into him, and uh, I'm, ready to go out. I'm ready to go out, you know. And uh, this guy goes, Billy, oh no, no, I couldn't speak English, but you could say it was no, no, no. <laughs> he puts his arm around me and hugs me. He said, No, Billy, no, no, no. no. I said, Wouldn't let me fight, but I was going to fight that night. I was, and I told Brian McCone was in the corner with me. I said, Brian, I don't knock this fella out in the first round. Throw in the towel, he said, because I'm going to be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, look at this was coming back from that. I was absolutely disgusted, really, to where the culture had gone within the team. And yeah. I was very, like, I was just illusioned. And, you know, a boxer of the team, the national team for 10 years, uh, we were no sense. You know, we were, you know, we enjoyed ourselves. We, you know, but. To represent your country was the biggest thing in, in my life, you know, and the honour of that. And I just felt it was being diminished and being let down at the time. And I came back and wrote a sinking letter to the IABA about it. Completely, you know, I'm thinking about my own circumstances. I'd just given up 10 days with my family and, and you know, without money and going to do this for the honour of it. And then these guys weren't really interested in it, right? Uh, and so that just disgusted me and maybe set me up for, you know, maybe the position that was to come a year or so later, uh, not even thinking of it at the time. But anyway, Kenny, you give me your story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's not much to add to it in fairness, but like, I think you're right, Billy, in what you're saying. There was a culture back then that I fell into because I was young enough on the team back then. That was 2002, I think, or back yeah, then well, at that stage. So I was, uh, yeah, I was fresh on the team and. You know, you went, you got beat, or you you won, you lost, and then you went out for a few points. But I remember getting beaten in my first fight against the pole, and, and I was disgusted with myself, and I had a little niggle in my hand, and I used that as a lame excuse not to fight in the second international. And uh, I remember the camp we had before that, actually, really, we had a hard training camp with the with the Polish team. And we were in the halfpenny place compared to, to, you know, countries like Poland, the way they trained. They were ferocious, and they were really disciplined and, and rare, and put everything into each session. And we weren't like that yet, you know. To be honest with you, the Irish squad was very soft and very timid compared to these lads. And I think that's exactly what we needed was was to mix it with these boys to find out what we needed to do to raise our levels up. Because we were only covered with cotton wool, if you like. So going over there was an eye-opener. But And I do remember walking by the dressing room and Billy Walsh was standing there in boxing gear ready to go. Uh, <laughs> You know, and I was half cut at the time, and I was going, fair play to you, Billy, you know. But Billy always, 
in fairness, he's never backed down. He's one man that would always get stuck in there, no problem. But uh, and that was a low point of my career. In fairness, so I got come home and got my hand slapped. But I think it was a learning curve as well. You know, we went on then myself and Billy and formed a great relationship when the high performance was set up a year later, two years later, uh, and we and we hadn't looked back since. Yeah, Johnny, when you. Uh you you were only twenty years old, I think, at Beijing, two thousand and eight. So when you joined the, uh, the high performance unit, was it a, who were the ones that you looked up to, and what was the culture like then? Because obviously it had been a bit whipped into shape there by Billy and Gary Keegan, and then lads. Yeah. Like well. well, I remember being the uh, was one of the lads who actually did the first session with Zor and Billy when they were going for the, the positions they got. Um, I would think it was fifteen when. Uh, that was set it up and I think I went on the high performance team with the lads when I was about 16, 17 I remember being a young lad, quiet lad actually was very quiet, uh, about 16 and there was Andy and there was Kenny and Roy and they were the lads you look up to and you still look up to me as boxers, I mean so as you go through it you would look up to them but uh, no I was quiet lad and the setup was brilliant Gary was brilliant uh, Billy and Zor it was unbelievable. So I enjoyed it. It was the best years of my life, to be honest, in the high performance. And you miss those old days, all the memories popping up in your phone and stuff. So I really do enjoy my time in the high performance with Billy and Zor and Gary. Yeah. So, Billy, after coming out of having one boxer qualified for Athens 2004, yourself and Gary and Zor are looking ahead to 2008. And who can we hang the hopes of the nation on? And I suppose at that stage, you focus on. Andy Lee is is probably the main man, having gone to Athens, having all this potential uh, at middleweight, and he kind of gets identified as a gold medal target. And it must be then a blow to the program when he when he decides to turn professional with Emmanuel Stewart in the states. Yeah, you know, obviously Andy had been to Athens and then lost his second fight, uh, being a um, being a Mexican, and actually the guy that he beat, or sorry, he lost the fight. Sorry, the guy that he beat fought for uh, an African nation, but he was he was French, and uh, he he actually qualified for Rio. He was a well, pro, went back and qualified for Rio. He also in Japan. Uh, um, yeah. 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 Anyway, but uh, Andy lost on a a comeback. Maybe it was a really close fight. Mm. Uh, probably should never have lost, but. Uh, we talked about you know the future. Like Kenny was leading into leading into Athens. Kenny was a star man. We all had pinned our hopes on Kenny qualifying. Uh, Kenny was a really our banker to qualify, and we went to the final. I think it was maybe two or three cha- two chances, Kenny, mm. uh, and just failed at the final hurdle each time. You know, it was it didn't perform on that particular fight. Uh, and we always felt he was good enough to go there, you know. And, and, and credit to him staying for another four years to get to the next games was was phenomenal. But yeah, you're right. Andy was, yeah, the next uh, we felt because he was only he was only 20, uh, and he had won a world silver medal as a youth in the pre- previous year. And so the sports council, so we decided to try and fund them, the, the athletes, to make sure that they stay for four years, and then. They raised the bar of the financial package to, to uh, come a, as a world-class performer. And Andy was on that. And, and so he got the, the money raised for all the other athletes, not only for himself. And decided to sign. We had a big uh, press release in the National Stadium. And Andy was there. We got some great photos. And boom, we signed it. And a week later, 
and they had a change of mind. They said, Billy, look at it. I'm sorry, but I haven't been able to sleep since I decided to say uh, I have this opportunity to go to the Crocs gym, and if I don't take it, I don't think, you know, I'll, I'll be able to deliver it. So there was no hard feelings, but, you know, he, he decided to go and obviously did well for himself. I was going to say, uh, Kenneth, so we see a couple of boxers obviously leave prior to Beijing 2008. A couple of them have become uh, world champions in the professionals as well. So Carl Frampton, TJ Doheny and Andy Lee all won world titles in the pro ranks. But what's your assessment of the talents available to Ireland or at the time as team captain heading into the qualifiers? And I suppose the 2007 World Championships in Chicago, which is a major testing ground for the high performance unit. Work you've done. When we were going out to Chicago, we'd all come off a good stint. We a lot of us won gold medals at the EU Championships in, I think it was Poland. I think at the time in the early May or whatever, we were going well. Darren Sunderland had beat James De Gale, I beat Tony Jeffries, um, and we were looking good going to Chicago. And I remember that was the first qualifier for Beijing. We all had to reach most of us had to reach the top eight, so quarterfinals would have got us got us across the line. But again. I was my own worst enemy, and Billy, I'll tell you that, you know, even for Athens, the qualifiers for Athens, I had three chances for Athens, and I failed to trade them. Just not really believing in myself and performing on that day, you know, and letting my mind escape me, escape me and, and wander off. When I went to Chicago, that started to set in again, and I was looking too far down the draw to see who I needed to beat to qualify. And a guy I boxed, his name was Mario from, uh, from Croatia, I beat him in the EUs, I had to beat him in the last day to qualify, and he beat me. I underperformed again. And this was like Groundhog Day sneaking, sneaking up on me again. And, you know, went out to Pascara then. Second qualifier for Beijing. Failed again. Got beaten again in my qualifying fight. So this was all coming back to haunt me. Um, and, you know, we tried something different when we went back to Athens to qualify. And it was just staying in the moment. One fight at a time, one round at a time. Um, we had Paddy Barnes qualified. John Joe Nevin qualified before me. So I was looking at these young lads going, what am I doing wrong here? These young lads, young pups coming in here and taking Olympic places, and I'm left on the outside. And uh, we went to Athens then, myself, Johnny, and, and, and Darren, and we went out there, and we, we, we just had everything right, you know. Um, one fight at a time, one round at a time, just looking for the single points, getting the scores on the board. And, you know, that was it was just the perfect competition for the three of us, me, Johnny, and Darren. And we went on and performed well, and that was a nice number then, getting five across the line for, for Beijing, but... That, for me, was the monkey off the back. Once I qualified then, I, I felt free and I could relax and enjoy me boxing then. Because I saw a comment that was said about you at the time, Kenneth, that um, you were always, like you've kind of mentioned it there, you're looking through the draw. If I beat him and I beat him, who am I going to beat? And it, I, I think you had it in your autobiography that uh, after failing to qualify for Beijing twice, you were looking at getting a taxi license. You were like, enough of this now. I'm, I'm, go I'm going to... I'm going to look to the future. I'm going to get a job and all this. I remember so. I was in Gary Keegan's office and all these, I was pacing up and down, up and down the floor saying, if I don't qualify, what am I going to do? Sure. At least I've, I've eight senior titles and, and I can retire and I'll get a taxi and I'll do this, that. And, that. and I was just bombarded with madness in my head. And the guy just says, just stop. Stop stop pacing the floor. Just get ready for your next session. Wrap your hands and get ready for your bag session, wherever it is. Just think about that session. So that was the start of it then, of my mindset changing and just concentrating on the job in hand. What do I need to do that day or for that session? Forget about yeah. different things. Just concentrate on what you're doing on the day. And I broke it up into that, those small little pieces, and, and then that was just it, you know, staying in the here and the now, controlling the controllables and, and, and just worrying about what I had to do, no one else. 
forgot about the draws, forgot about results. And, you know, that's and that's how we managed it. And it was the same in the games itself. You know, we took a one for one. And, and it was a testament to Billions Hour to guard us from the draw and who we had next and stuff, you know, because it was so easy for us to, 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 to find out. But they blocked us from all that and kept us cocooned, if you like, um, in that kind of a, a mentality just to worry about who you had on the day, you know, and that was brilliant. And Johnny, I remember uh, at the time, I was seeing a lot of you at the time, because I remember we were making a radio documentary and I was in college at the time, and I called it two hands after you said, you know, I said, what are you going to do if this doesn't all work out? And he said, no, no, I've got two hands. I'm going to make I'm going to make this work out for me. You were part of a very talented St. Michael's Atoy squad. You had Eric Donovan was on the periphery, uh, you know, going close to qualifying for Beijing. You had Roy Sheehan was one of the leading members, uh, leading talents in Ireland at the time. And yourself and David Oliver... Uh, all vying for qualification. If I recall, you were just really confident guy at the time. You believed in your ability. You probably hadn't lost domestically in many years. And uh, yeah, we're, I remember once asking you, and he said, I said, what would you do if you weren't boxing? I'd probably play a bit of darts, but that was it. Your boxing was the one. And no, you were going to get there. As, yeah, as you said, boxing all my life. And I didn't lose any All-Irelands. I won from by one up to elite. Uh, I go with Kenny, 2007, going to the World Championship. Um, I remember going to the World Championship. And I was one of the... I was just behind Kenny, Darren, and Roy as one of the young lads coming through in the group. And it was just a chance of me qualifying, at least doing well and performing. But when I went to the Worlds... Uh, we had a training camp in France and a training camp in Germany. And we kept coming home in between those. And when you go home, you kind of lose a little bit of focus. And then we went to Chicago, and I went out uh, the first day, and I was through the Hungarian, and just didn't perform, to be honest. I mean, uh, I let everybody down. I could see them, Billy, Gary, and Zor. Yeah, this that is maybe a bit of hype on him. There's nothing there with him, because I didn't perform. And I'm savage, I didn't perform. And it's when I came back from the Worlds, I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulders. I was like... That wasn't me. What happened there? Where did I go wrong? And I remember sitting down with myself, and I just said to myself, "Right, I need to do something with myself here. Like, do you know what I mean? I, uh, I need to figure out myself. And I've just broke it down. I'm gonna forget about Billy's or I'm just gonna go in and perform. Win or lose, doesn't matter. As long as you leave everything in the ring, happy days. So I just broke it down. I remember coming back to the national championship, and there was flight. Five days was run over five days, and it was a brilliant format. It was just bang out a three fights with uh, David Barrett, Phil Sutcliffe, and Jamie Cavda. And I stopped the trade in the 20 point rule. I was just hit peak and I was in good form and, and relaxed, just performing. And again, we went to Italy and Pascara. And as the three days went by, I beat uh, a Moldovian and the Serbian the first two days as I broke it down performance. And I was on the last stage with Kenny, again, the last day just to qualify. And again, I just lost focus. I boxed a Romanian who was Olympic bronze medalist. I said that was my downfall. I knew a little bit too much mm. of the guys in 24, or 2004 Olympics. I gave them that little bit more respect. And he beat me by four points. It was a good fight, but he, he beat me. He deserved to win. And I kind of felt like I left it. I left it behind me and probably Kenny felt probably he left it behind him because he didn't perform in that last day either. Now, I said that I probably performed, but I didn't perform a little bit more. I probably should have kicked on a bit more. Uh, and we had to come back again and do another box-offs with the same guys we beat in the National Championship and get ready for the championships 
in three in another qualifier in three weeks. So it was a tough, a tough, tough format, and we got through the box up, and then we went to Athens, and again, as Kenny says, you break it down one foot at a time and one round at a time, and thank God I, I didn't perform too well against the first day against the Czech Republic. I had a tough fight the next time against a Greece lad in Greece. And on a count back, lucky enough, I got through this time, which I deserve to get through, to be honest. And then in the, in the semis, I had against a, a good German lad, but I think it was just written in the stars that it was my time to go to the Olympics, please God. Do you know what I mean? So thank God I got over the line. But I think what Kenny just says, sometimes we get caught up in the winning and the losing thing. And that's what I try to do with my boxers. Forget about the winning and the losing. You can't control that. You can just control going in, boxing your fight, do the things that you're good at and work at. You can work on the things that you're not good at in the gym and improve those. But when it comes to boxing, you kind of just stick to stick to what you're good at and perform. Thank God in Athens and in, even in Pascal, 2008 for me was all about breaking it down and getting what's good, what, I, what I'm good at and leaving Johnny happy, leaving the ring. John, once Johnny was happy leaving the ring, I, that meant I just performed to my best belt. Yeah, good single-minded approach, and and Billy John, uh, Johnny mentioned there um, coming back from box offs and stuff, and it kind of takes me on to something because rumor has it there was a bit of tension sometimes between the IBA and the high performance unit. I don't know, a little birdie told me. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Over things like selection, selection, you know, selection issues, box offs, all that kind of jazz. But it, it one of the things that does get said then is that. Uh, Paddy Barnes wasn't due to be selected for the first qualifier, but he he got put on by the Central Council anyway, and he goes over and he qualifies, and maybe he hadn't showed his true potential until that stage, and I think he caught the eye in a training camp in France, was it prior, and he would have been brought anyway, maybe, but... Yeah, I did. Uh, we, brought him, we brought him out to the training camp, he was excellent in France, uh, and then we would have selected him, but yeah, of course, there's always an exception to the rule. Yeah. Uh, everyone will use the exception to the rule when, when they need to, but uh-huh. in fairness... You know, the guys, the consistency, that what we were trying to build was consistency in the team. We're trying to, you know, it's very difficult to qualify for Olympic Games if you're not competing and performing as, as a world-class athlete. Um, I mean, just to hear the two boys, it's great just to hear the two boys speak, actually, because they're talking about the stuff that we've been trying to implement, you know, staying in the moment, one round, one punch, one minute at a time was the mantra of the team. And, you know, how we, how we you know, performing to the best of our ability and then the outcome will look after itself. So it was all about the performance that we, we worked on. Uh, and that day in Athens was like one of the greatest days I've had. Yeah. The performances, Darren Sutherland's performance got to be good to him. Uh, throughout that campaign was phenomenal fights that he had. You know, he had this guy from, where was he? Was he Serbia as well, was he? Maybe he had him down three or four times. He was, yeah. <laughs> he was, he was up and down like a yo-yo. He was absolutely fantastic. He, he beat the Gale as well, you know. He was outstanding, you know, and John Joe as well. I remember, I think it was the German, that the, the fight that we had to win to qualify, the first round you went out, you fainted, as you normally did, dropped that right hand to the body, right? Fainted the head, right hand to the body, eight in a row, and you scored eight. Eight zero was the round score after the first round. It was over. You were qualified after the first round. You know, it was just amazing to see everything fall into place. And, and you know, the memory, in my, the, the piece in my memory of Kenny, the tension that was in, we had went in against the German. Oh Jesus! Uh, yeah. The tension that we, you know, between us all because we were on the cusp of qualifying for the Olympic Games and we had missed out so many times in Athens and we were under. This was our last chance for for Beijing and and then you know obviously we knew we had just done enough. I had done enough to win it, 
as, and then fall, when you fell onto your knees, you fell onto your knees and your head down between your hands on the floor uh, in, in joy of my um, seven sorber in tears in the corner. Yeah. And when you came back over and we just hugged each other, it was just an amazing feeling to get those guys. You know, and obviously then there's pressure on all of us from from our own sports, obviously, and ourselves to, to qualify uh, these guys. And, you know, because every coach in Ireland was a volunteer and we were, we were being paid uh, for the and, first time. And as well, like the, the success in Athens, uh, completing, making it a five-man team for Beijing and, you know, with a decent bit of medal opportunity there was sweet vindication for what had come before. I know, Kenny, yeah, you'd, you'd uh, met up with Porrick uh, Harrington in the run-up to that tournament in Athens just to ha- get a few pointers on winning. And he, he later, cro- that, the month of the Olympics, he crossed the line and won the US Open himself. So maybe you gave him a bit back. <laughs> but, uh, I was going to ask Billy, it must have been a bit of sweet vindication for what you were trying to do in the high performance because in the previous eight or nine months, the knives have been out and you got a bit of a shoe and back back home in Ireland before. Yeah, really, I think Chicago, as you said, the call for, you know, our heads after Chicago, uh, which we did, we underperformed and Paddy performed and obviously qualified. Um, and we, we had a big look at ourselves when we came back from there. We had a bit of a review internally and we looked at you know we felt that we were over coaching the boys that we were in a bit of a rut we we're in a routine we were trained at 11 o'clock every morning we we're trained at four o'clock in the afternoon and we decided to get, go up to uh and when the boys remember this we went to donegal up to twin, to twin towns in donegal and we decided to flip everything on his head we 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 didn't tell them what they were doing when they were training or what they were doing for training. We'd get them up at six in the morning, and we'd go to the gym and do a boxing session, or we'd get them up at four o'clock in the afternoon and we'd head off up the mountains to, to run. We just kept everything, uh, you know, intense, and we also just changed the routines of what we were doing. And then we started to ask more questions of the athletes instead of telling them what to do all the time, which we had we had overcoached them. We realized we had overcoached them. They were waiting. Kenny was in the, in, the, in looking in the corner, waiting for us to tell him what to say, what what punch to throw. Mm. You know, so we we got to try and withdraw and sort of ask more questions. So then they were able to come up with the answers ourselves. So yeah, and then to go out, obviously the to the next qualifier and qualify three and then qualify the five was was phenomenal. It just set us up nicely going in. As Kenny said, that the, the shackles were off for Kenny. You know, he had qualified. That was the big thing for him was to qualify. Once he had qualified, the world was his oyster, you know. And uh, Johnny, I wanna, if I say one word to you, what do you think of Vladivostok? <laughs> yeah, Vladivostok was tough. Joy, uh, to bring us to China for two days and put us up in a five-star hotel. So, and then, <laughs> then they brought us to a one-star or a half-star a hotel. So, I mean, it was a tough, tough, tough test to go that so. But it was great sparring, and, and we were ready when we got to Beijing, please, God. So that was the training camp with the Russian team. So I think you, you went to Beijing first, got the accreditation, got a few bits out of the way, was it? And then went to Vladivostok for a couple of yeah, weeks of sparring. We got, we got everything set up during the, the first day or two, and then we went, put us up in a five-star hotel. Then we went to River Dance or something. I think I fell asleep halfway through, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but then we went to, went to Vladivostok, and the sparring was brilliant. Uh, I think we all came out of Absolutely brilliant. I remember poor Darren uh, giving Karboff a hiding in the sparring yeah. in the last few days and when he kind of broke Karboff's heart and Karboff didn't perform in the in the Beijing Olympics because of it, to be honest. But uh, we all came over flying. I know I came over and Kenny came over. Well, razor sharp and ready to go. 
And you had a few rounds with Artur Berturbiev as well, uh, current world light heavyweight champion. I remember, I remember we, we had a few spars with different Russians because we had about 70 or 80 boxers there they had. There was only five of us. But uh, every couple of days you sparred with someone different. And in the last two or three days, we had the last spar lined up. And Zor and Billy says, right, you're sparring Artur Berturbiev. And when I heard that, and it, but the first thought my head was, oh no, this, this is all I need now is a hide before I go to Beijing. <laughs> the boys are, 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 are instilling beliefs in me that I can get in here and, and do four rounds with them. Now, you can imagine the canvas over there is very, very thick, so there's no moving around. You know the way I, I used to ponder around and use my legs? So it was toe to toe stuff for four rounds. And I have to say, that was the turning point in my Olympics because I mixed it with Arda Betabia for four rounds and had a cracking spar with him. And we gave each other some good, hard smacks. But it held me on. And Zora knew that at the very end then he gave me the wink, you know. I was ready for, for the Olympic Games. That was that was exactly what I needed at at, at that time in that camp. Yeah. Oh, you, you would have came out of there ready, all right. And I saw Zora saying as well and, and Billy as well that you want your last spar before competition to be a very good one, to, to have that confidence up. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like, what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, Johnny, so you arrived in uh, Beijing. What, what, what did you make of the place? What did you make of the Olympic Village? It was Try good, to- yeah. It was, we were relaxed. We were ready. We, I don't think we made a big thing of it. We, we were there as a team and as a unit uh, just to perform. Um, we went in. That was our motto. We just perform. Uh, that was my motto. Performance is my goal. And... The place was brilliant. We were waiting on the draw and everyone was relaxed. We were good. Uh, walking on these lads, walking around and all that. But to be honest, I never personally ever got caught up with everything going around me. I was there as just going to perform and see where it goes. Billy, uh, outside the ring, there was a couple of uh, situations developing. So you, uh, I, I'm not sure if there anything was going on with you and yet to, yet to find out. But 
for your right hand man and your left hand man there were situations so Zor was in a bit of a bad pickle because his, he couldn't account for his family there was a Russian invasion in Georgia South Ossetia he's worried about his family as you're getting to Beijing and then on the other side Gary Keegan hasn't been accredited so he doesn't really have an official role with Team Ireland at the Olympics and he has to stay away from the Olympic Village sit up in the stands and really can't be hands on alongside you so you're probably a little bit holding the fort as well for the lads yeah, it was it was a difficult situation. Again, look, we've all been sort of coached and and taught about you know staying in the moment and uh, dealing with what you have in front of you. You know, in fairness to Gary, you know, as the boy spoke about the training camps that we went to, so uh, Gary and organised all of that. His plan: we were going to go in to Beijing, you know, f- for you know for a few days, get over the journey, sample some of the humidity, you know. Leave all, our, leave all our, our, our gear behind us. Just bring our training gear to Vladivostok. So when we got back to the village, our rooms, we had our gear already in there. We didn't have to carry loads of bags or anything. And so we flew to Vladivostok with just our training gear. And that training camp in Vladivostok, you had the top five Russians in each weight division for the guys to spar. And one of the key things was, that, you know, we, got, we were getting better each time. And then the second last day, we sparred the Russian number one team, who was their Olympic team. And all of, all of the boys came out on top that day. Masev and Zor and, and Gary sat together and said, guys, we're, we're about 10 days out from the games. They said, we're ready. We don't need any more sparring. Our guys are really at, at their peak. You know, the confidence is up high. You know, if we go back in the next day and have a bad day, I said, you know, we're, we're going to be trying to pick those pieces up again. So we didn't fight the next day. And, and Johnny mentioned Karabakh, who was the world champion at the time. Uh, he... He went back in sparring the next year uh, and was terrible again. Uh, so the Russians didn't learn from it, but we learned from it and we let the guys out. Uh, so, yeah, the situation with Zorro then arose when we were there. His family, they actually, we eventually found them and they were hiding up in the mountains in, uh, in Georgia to keep away from the invasion. And um, so for that, you know, because he was up half the night on the phone trying to, contact those people so we, we we adapted i got up every morning for the weigh-ins uh and we let our rest in the bed because he was up for half the night trying to you know in fairness to him he never showed any of it to any of the team that mm. what he felt his whole family were were in trust but he never 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 showed any of it to the team and he was there for the team and we just let him rest in the morning time as I deal with that, and then Gary, I used to go out in the evening time to meet up with him. He was staying outside in a in a in a in an apartment, uh, and uh, we used to go out and have a chat. And we brought the boys out at different stages uh, to meet with him and have a chat with him. So that was really it was really a tough time for him uh, to sit in the audience and not be part of his uh, team and trying to beg and get tickets to to go in and even actually watch the fight. You know. Yeah, and. Um... It doesn't really affect the team too much. Uh, maybe, you know, uh, like John Joe, John Joe, you, I think, I think you'd, you'd earlier expected not to even make it to the Olympics, and you told your family to book the Lords during the Olympics. But you get then you, you're looking for God-given uh, inspiration because you get drawn against the boogeyman or Gaiula Katie from who's beaten you three times. Is, it, is that correct? You get him in the first round. Yeah, he beat me three times. Uh... Just before, I think before Olympics in the EU, he beat me by 20 points. So, 
on the on the eighth, I remember Paddy talking three hours. Me and Paddy was in the room, and three hours, Paddy pretended he got a phone call or a text, and he says, "Johnny, you're boxing the uh, Dungarin," and he's like. Yeah, grand. Well, in the back of my mind, like, oh, fuck. You know, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but uh, then three hours later, Billy calls around to the room and uh, draw calls the draw. Oh, when he goes, Johnny's boxing on Gary. And I'm like, Paddy, you're dead. <laughs> but uh, thank God. Uh, thank God. That was on the 8th. Uh, the draw was on the 8th. And uh, the lads were getting ready to go to the, the opening ceremony, which me and Kenny didn't go because Kenny was out on the ninth. Mm. And that was like that was the great management of Billy and Gary and Zor. They kept everything away for us and it was again it was about our performance. Me going to an open ceremony probably would have losing distraction again. I needed a day or two to get my head around and the focus on boxing Hungarian. And again it wasn't about winning or losing. It was about like performing. I remember Billy chat me on the way to the bar onto the York. He's like, This lad beats today, he's gonna bring you home. I remember my dad ringing me on the, the ninth after Kenny won. I was like, Kenny won, so came going off to good star and stuff. And he was in Ireland with the rest of the family was in France. And he was like to me, Johnny, show me the performance that you boxed this lad in the EU was in Ireland. And he beat you by three points that day, he says. And it was a really good fight. You're a year on, a year or two older, he says, Show me that performance. And everything you go in. So on the tenth, thanks for uh, please God, it was it was uh, to me. I didn't go to win. I remember getting my bag in the in the dressing room or in the in the hotel. As I was walking with Billy to get the bus, I went to the dressing room and I was in great form. I felt everything from the training camp just clicked. I was in, I was peaked. I was ready. I was sharp. But as I was walking out to the stadium, I kind of lost a little bit of focus. There, there was thirteen thousand people in the stadium, and there was a couple of Irish, maybe a hundred Irish, and you would have spot them straight away. They were going mad, and I lost a little bit of focus. Maybe look, Johnny, just lad is going to give you a hammering, and you got to stay good there. But again, as Billy says, we broke it back down, and it was like take it round by time, round at a time. And I was like, Johnny, take it round by round. Let's stay as close to this lad as possible as you can. And the first round was two all. Um, happy days. We're here. We're ready, and we're in the tournament. And I could see it in the the Hungarian's eyes. He couldn't believe that Johnny was here to win. Johnny was here to perform. Um, the second round, it was a point up, and I remember Zor shouting in the, as the second man on the outside, Johnny, we need more. We need more scores. We need more. We can't. We can't go into the third round one up. And the last round or the third round, I was up. I won three nil. And I was up 8-4 going into the last round. And at this stage, I was like, again, take it round by round. I think the fight was over, and I didn't even realise that the fight was over. And it would probably go down to me as my best ever win, Whoa. to do it on the biggest stage ever, to beat the guy that's been beating me all my life on the first day of every championship, wherever I met him. So I really, Kenny got us off to a good start, and I just finished it and really got the, crow, uh, the team boost, to be honest. Yeah, because Kenneth, you, you won your first. You you won the first fight for Ireland. It was against Virgin Islands, Jackson, That's and uh, and you said I'm going to be the first man in and the la- and the last man out out. And so it proves yourself and Darren Sutherland made handy enough progress. through you performed to your best really, and you started. You you weren't conceding many points. I remember back home in Ireland, there was a bit of kind of Kenny Egan fever and all that sort of thing. Um. Because, yeah, because it seemed maybe like Billy said or whatever, when the pressure was off you and when the weight was off your shoulders, you were able to perform at your best. Like, as soon as I qualified in Athens, I think I became a different person. The, st- the, 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 the load off me back was gone and the stress 
because I'd been around so long and I tried to qualify with Andy in 2004 and failed and he was younger than me when he qualified and I held a bit of resentment over that and you know and it was disgusted I, I didn't qualify and but and it's a long old haul to commit another four years of your life not knowing the outcome <clears throat> and that's exactly what I did I committed four more years in a structure that I believed in and in coaches that I believed in and to qualify in the end the way I did and then to go out to the games and I remember I'm at my best and Billy will tell you I'm at my best when I'm laughing joking having the crack and not thinking about anything too serious and that's how I operated at the games we had great crack out there the village was fantastic the food was all per- everything was perfect and the atmosphere amongst us five and the coaches was just was just second to none and we just took one fight at a time one round at a time and if you even look at the results of all the, the five of us, you know, getting beaten by eventual winners. Everyone, yeah. Especially me and myself. Like, I performed very well out there, and I just wasn't getting hit. I was just on the ball. My reflexes were spot on. Timing was perfect. Everything was just good. Um, and I just kept getting more confidence as the fights were going on. Um, and I remember sitting at home and they opened the ceremony and watching the lads on the telly waving the flag and that. I was weighing in the next morning, but, you know... And I missed the closing ceremony too because I was getting I was getting tested. And Andy's open crowd got a hold of me, you know. But that didn't bother me because everyone's Olympics is different. Everyone's Olympics, they have their own story. I wasn't at the open or the closing ceremony, but I was there right till the death, you know, right till the end because I felt so good in myself uh, and just how how well I, I was performing and how happy I was performing. And that's what boxing did for me. It made me happy. And when I was happy when I was boxing, it was very hard to be. So we, we'll discuss your eventual exits at different stages. Um, Billy, I know um, like every every fighter from Ireland in an, in an Ireland vest went out to an eventual champion. Uh, John Joe lost out after a countback and Kenneth lost out in the final to China, um, attempting to become Ireland's only second ever boxing gold medalist and arguably should have done. I watched it again this evening and like, I, this time I had the Teddy yeah. Atlas and both the Teddy... He says, uh, he's talking about the punches, I think, body shots that Ken- Kenneth was hitting uh, Zhang with. He said, we saw them. The audience, it seems like the people that... The, he goes, we saw them. The audience saw them. But it seems like the people that count, the judges, did not see them. Yeah, I think, you know, John Jones, I think, was a bit of a heartbreak as well. You know, his fight against uh, Alex Vastine, uh, who unfortunately died as well a couple of years mm. ago. Mm. Um, was a great, great guy that we spent many a training camp in with, with mm-hmm. uh, him and his brother. But um, that fight, you know, in particular, I got sent away from the ring. Actually, and I remember Jimmy McGee making a comment at the time. He said, "Is the first? Yeah, he said, is the when did it, when a good question for a quiz?" He said, "Is when did the Wexford Herder get sent away? Get sent off in an Olympic final? At <laughs> 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 Olympic Games, but anyway." Um, yeah, I'm sure it was Vasco though. I don't want to interrupt you. It was Felix Diaz, wasn't it? Oh, Felix Diaz, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, right. Felix Diaz, who was, he went on to be the gold medalist and, uh, again, a good good pro after it as well. Yeah, Kenny's fight, we had it analyzed when we came back, and he actually won the fight by five hits. But he actually lost it in, in the contest. The judges scored it, he lost it. There was a gap of 10. So Kenny hit. Yang uh, 10 times more than what the judges scored it when we, when, we, when we melted it all down and Alan Swanton analyzed it so unfortunately you're fighting a Chinaman in China uh, in his home place where there's 13,000 people at the fight probably a couple of hundred Irish in it 
you know, he would probably outroar every time. He looked like he was going to throw a punch. Crowd were, but I will say, he started a little bit slow. Mm. I think maybe that was the occasion. We just started, and we always spoke about, you know, we have stats going back, and 80% of guys that win the first round win the contest in amateur boxing. And we were always focusing on winning that first round, and, you know, getting up getting out of the blocks early and Kenny was a little bit slow getting out of the blocks that day and that may have made the difference obviously the, the judges then scored him for the first round and stuck with him for the other two rounds uh, and was un- was unfortunate but in my eyes the more we had been you know on a decade together yeah. almost at that stage uh, Kenny was the champion uh, he the way he held himself the way the country endeared him uh his personality, where it came out every day, he spoke on, spoke after the fights, and and, and John Joe as well. You know, the, the whole country endeared this team and took this team on board, and it became a phenomenon. Uh, that team that was the most at the time was the most successful team in the country. He won three Olympic medals from boxing only. You know, yeah. it was a phenomenal performance. And lads, do you, do you still feel the pain from going out of the Olympics in 2008, or is it washed away now? And the experience. And the achievement of getting there and competing and winning fights, does that overshadow us? Like for me, like you know, for me, all I wanted was the, the five rings on me tracksuit. That's all I wanted, you know. I wanted to become an Olympian so bad. And to f- finally get there and go out and perform and represent my country in Olympic Games. And Beijing was a, a fantastic game. They didn't they pulled they didn't they pulled out all the stops for it. It was just well money money the money that was spent on it was just phenomenal. But how everything was organised and run, it was the perfect Olympic Games. Um, and, and to go out there and perform and represent my country and do as well as we did, you know, I'll always remember, have fond memories of those three weeks in Beijing. Um, and one, the one competition that I did actually box very, very well in. And it happened to be the biggest competition in my life. You know, so, so, and I hold that there and I've no regrets. Like, if I was offered a silver medal at the start of the Games, Kev, I would have took with, you know, with both hands. Um, mm. A fantastic achievement, and as Ronnie Delaney always says, "Once an Olympian, always an Olympian." You know, it's and there's only a handful of us in the country, um, and it, it's, it's something I'll always hold close to my heart. And I've yet to tell my child in years to come. You know, when I pulled the medal out and blow the dust off it, I won that many many moons ago. You know, it's a proud moment for me and my family. And Johnny, I remember you were you gave an interview on RT afterwards, and you were genuinely devastated after exiting via countback. But I'd imagine. I don't know, maybe it was put into perspective by Billy or someone like that because your exit in 88 was even more painful, I think, Billy, wasn't it? And so maybe yeah. by getting there and performing, at least, you, you could go away with no regrets. You did your best. And that's all you can do. Yeah, no, um, I go with Kenny. I, the only thing I ever wanted to in boxing was those five rings. That's a dream of mine, going back 96 when you hear Francie Barrett is in the Olympics and the Lee's in the Olympics in 2004. Andy would have been an Isla, uh, one of my heroes growing up, real nice dad, probably the nicest dad in boxing, still is. Um, probably a little bit, I would probably still have the the horror sometimes from going to the, leaving that count back, uh, I think it was 5-1 down after the first round, public morning, didn't expect the lad to come out that quick, um, 10 seconds up, point one, uh, by a point up and then get caught. Some of these things will haunt you a little bit, Watching the three lads win middles and delighted with them and part of a team. Uh, but Joey, uh, as a, as a boxer, he, 
the Olympic Games is everybody's dream to go to every sports person starting off want to go to the Olympic Games and I'm part of that as Kenny says I can go and tell my kids in years to come even now the little lad is, is talks about him going back please go on anyway someone might bring me back but uh to say that to your kids to join the Olympic Games and part of as Billy says probably the best team the the, the success of the high performance team because it really kicked on in 2012 then after that and had a brilliant team in 2016 just didn't get there but have a little bit of a horror from leaving that medal behind but I'm still hoping to go back maybe please God sometime to get that medal with someone please God so Billy I, I read that Gary Keegan forecasted uh, one medal one podium finish for Ireland, maybe a conservative estimate given the performances that, that took place in Beijing. But I want to ask you, had Tyson Fury been successful in declaring for Ireland in 2008, do you think you could have had another one? That's a good question. I think, you know, I can remember Tyson coming over and trying to fight out of the north of Ireland um, uh, in 2000 and early 2000, sorry, September of 2000. And, uh, was it, was it, uh, seven, uh, the world, the world championships. Uh, yeah, we're in Morocco, and he won the silver medal, and and he couldn't get on the, he couldn't get on the British team because uh, Price was there, big pricey, yeah. and uh, so he felt, tried to get on, use the Irish uh, trump card, right, the grandparent rule, but unfortunately, when they researched it, he had none of his grandparents were Irish. They were they were English and they were Welsh. Even though he started his pro career under an Irish flag in America, but he, he actually didn't have any grandparent rule to, to fight for Ireland at that time. You know, in fairness, we, we had a great guy from, uh, from well, he's from Donegal, but he boxed out of Belfast, he's Carl McMonagall. You know, and, and for us, we always wanted Irish guys fighting for Ireland. Uh, we didn't want to go down the road and bring it in uh, expats or, you know, people that, so not expats, but people that, that weren't, hadn't come up through the Irish system and uh, and that was maybe our main focus but as it happened legally he wasn't eligible to fight for Ireland but who knows what he'd won the medal at the time he was world silver medalist as a youth but maybe he had a little bit of growth to do uh, the heavyweights or the super heavyweights in, in that in that games were, were pretty good and pretty they were, they were at the latter age of their the latter end of their 20s or 30s you know they were mature men so It'd have been interesting to see uh, if that would have happened. It was one of those Olympics. It was criticised a lot for its China's human rights record and and all, and all this out of uh, competition stuff and a bit of sports washing and, and other other things. But inside competition, you had Michael Phelps uh, had a record eight gold medals, beating Mark Spitz from 1972. There was a couple of gold medals for Bradley Wiggins and Chris Hoy. I remember they took this part of the world by storm. Two gold through both. Uh, Kobe and LeBron were on the basketball team for the USA, Argentina. So you had Riquelme, Messi, Aguero, all these boys won the gold. And then in the boxing, you had lads uh, making an impression like, I suppose, Lomachenko. Deontay Wilder took a bronze. David Price took a bronze. Well, Lomachenko has, has probably gone on to have the greatest career of any of the 2008 Olympians. I know he got another one, another gold in 2012, but he might have the enduring legacy. Yeah, we were very fortunate, and the boys were fortunate. We spent some training camps with him in in uh, uh, in in the Ukraine. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the place now. 
Consciousness, Consciousness, but I think that was the name of the place uh, where Lomachenko on the team, the Ukrainian team used to train. Yeah, he was something else. Um, he was, uh, and he went on to have obviously. Wilder was the last before I got here in the states. Uh, he was the last Olympic medalist before uh, uh, before uh, Rio. Um, they hadn't won, they didn't win a medal in London, so he won. He was he won the bronze medal. He was the only medal they had in in uh, in Beijing. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a it was a great game. So I have to say the Chinese did a fantastic job. Obviously, you had plenty of money to throw at it. You know the fireworks, the closing ceremony, the opening like the, it was phenomenal. Even though we just saw I with the boys didn't march in, I just watched it on TV like everybody else. But not everything right. The village was fantastic. The food was excellent. Accommodation, the drive, you know, the, the, everything was on time. Everything was spot on. The, the workers' arena was phenomenal. Uh, it was a great atmosphere in, in that uh, for boxing and especially for being successful. So for me, it was you know for Ireland having not had so many medals for quite a while uh, to, to bring three back with this this team of uh, guys going for the games for the first time. You know, it was a phenomenal achievement. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.